1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: Now who made up the crowd in Caesarea Philippi? All those pagan worshipers. All those people that are there worshiping false gods and engaged in all kinds of perverse activities. Jesus invites them to follow him. This invitation shows us that Jesus desires for everyone to be saved. And it doesn't matter how bad your sin is or how deeply involved you may be in it. Jesus can forgive you. Jesus can cleanse you. He can make all things new if you turn to him.
1: Have you ever had that feeling when you get something you don't deserve? That's what it's like to receive the love of Jesus Christ. Because we're born into sin, we don't deserve his love or grace. But because he loves us, he blesses us with it. When we give our life to Jesus, we don't just receive his forgiveness, but accept a new identity in Christ. And in today's message, Pastor Dan tells you that everyone who comes to Christ will receive a new life, regardless of past mistakes. God accepts all who come to Him. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: We're going through the New Testament verse by verse. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 this morning. If you want to turn there for me in your Bible, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, we left off at verse 24, where it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a a man gain in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We pray and ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word this morning. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe be seated. Well, last week in our study together, Jesus and his disciples traveled about 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee uh, to a place called Caesarea Philippi, very beautiful place in the north of Israel. Uh, It sits at the base of Mount Hermon, which is the largest mountain in Israel at about 9,400 feet above sea level. And in Jesus's day, Caesarea Philippi was the most pagan place in Israel. It was a center for idol worship, and people from all over the region would travel to Caesarea Philippi to worship different gods, worship different idols. In particular, they worshiped the god Pan. Uh, Religious Jews would, would, would never go to Caesarea Philippi. They wouldn't go anywhere near that town. But Jesus went there, and he brought his disciples with him there. And he said some important things in Caesarea Philippi as we'll see. If you look back in verse 21 of chapter 16, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So this is the first time at Caesarea Philippi, the first time that Jesus explained his death and resurrection to his disciples. Again, at Caesarea Philippi, the most pagan place in Israel. Surrounded by people who are worshiping false gods, people who were lost. And it's there that he lays out the whole reason he came into the world, to die on the cross for the sins of mankind and to be resurrected the third day, to provide salvation, not just for the Jews, but for all mankind. He came to seek and save the lost it's fitting that Jesus would first tell his disciples this at a place like Caesarea Philippi, because he came to be the savior of the whole world. And so he tells his disciples that, and then now coming into verse 24 today, where we pick up Jesus and his disciples are still in Caesarea Philippi. And here Jesus explains what is required to follow him. What is required to follow him? What Jesus requires of his disciples, what Jesus requires of those who identify with him. And this is important for us to know. What's required of us? Look at verse 24 again. Verse 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples. Now, if you're taking notes, Mark's account of this, in Mark's account, Jesus also called the crowd to himself along with the disciples. So he doesn't just say this to the disciples. He says this to the crowd. Now who made up the crowd in Caesarea Philippi? All those pagan worshipers. All those people that are there worshiping false gods. And engaged in all kinds of perverse activities. Jesus invites them to follow him. This invitation shows us that Jesus desires for everyone to be saved. And it doesn't matter how bad your sin is or how deeply involved you may be in it. Jesus can forgive you. Jesus can cleanse you. He can make all things new if you turn to him. The invitation is open to anyone, as we see here in verse 24. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me. You see the word anyone there. It's an invitation open to Anyone, anyone who desires to follow Jesus, anyone who desires to be his disciple, anyone who desires to have their sins forgiven, anyone who desires eternal life. Now, some people do not have a desire to follow Jesus Christ, but for those who do desire, here's what's required. You must deny yourself and take up your cross, and then you can follow him. Now, this is not optional. This is this is not what is required of some Christians, you know, the super Christians. But it's not required of people that just want to be like regular everyday Christians. (laughs) You know, missionaries can do that, but I'm not that kind of Christian. This is what is required of every follower of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. Uh, in Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-eight, Jesus said, "And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me," he says. If you don't do this. In Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-seven, Luke fourteen twenty-seven, Jesus said, "And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." You cannot be his disciple unless you take up your cross. Or to say it another way, a person who does not take up the cross is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. They may profess to be a follower of Christ, but they're not really, if they're not willing to do what's required. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, you must deny yourself. Now, what does that mean, to deny yourself? Well, it does not mean you deny yourself of things. Uh, It does not mean that you deny yourself of things like I might deny myself of chocolate uh, or I might deny myself of fried food or I might deny myself alcohol. Denying self is not giving up things for Jesus. Jesus is not talking about self-denial but denying self. Those are two different things. To deny yourself, listen, To deny yourself means to deny you. To deny you. It means you say no to you. You take you off the throne of your life. And you put Jesus on the throne of your life. You no longer run your life. You no longer make the decisions. You no longer set the agenda for your life. Jesus does. The word deny here. It means, listen to this, it means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself, to lose sight of one's own interests. It means to disown self. Jesus is talking about lordship. Who is lord of your life? Who's in charge? Who's making the decisions? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be his disciple, you must deny self and put Jesus in charge of everything and submit your life to him.
1: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
2: We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So, download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel Ellicott City in your App Store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
1: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture! Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
2: This is where you start. This is where it begins. If you desire to follow him, being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just adding Jesus to your life. It requires a complete surrender of control. If you want to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. What does that mean to take up your cross? Well, taking up your cross is not some burden you must carry with you. People will say, well, this is my cross to bear. That's not what he's saying. The cross meant death. The cross was an instrument of execution. The cross was a, a violent, humiliating way to die. If you saw someone carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem, you knew that person was on their way to die. And Jesus says to his, to be his disciple, you must take up your cross. It's a voluntary act. I voluntarily choose to take up the cross. And Luke's account says you must take up the cross Daily, daily. So it's a way of life for the Christian. Every day we take up our cross. Every day we choose to put self to death, to put death to our own ambitions and our own plans for the future. And we replace them with Christ's plans for us. And and, and again, this is not optional. This is normal Christianity. For the follower of Jesus Christ. And we really see this crucified life throughout the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified. I'm dead. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In Galatians chapter five, verse twenty four it says, "Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Our passions and desires are nailed to the cross and replaced with what Jesus desires for us." In Colossians chapter three Colossians chapter three, it says, "Since then you were raised with Christ." Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above where Christ is and not on the things of the earth. Why? Because you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ. This is what is required to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Deny yourself, take up your cross, then you are in the right place to follow him. But you got to start with this. And again, it's a way of life. It's a daily submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In the Gospels, there's the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, he had a desire for eternal life. He had a desire to follow God, but he wasn't willing to do what Jesus required to be his follower. He came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and Jesus finally told him after talking about the law, Jesus said, well, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. And it says that the man was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions and here was a man, he had, he had a desire. There was something in him that longed for eternal life. There was something in him that longed for a relationship with God. But once he heard the requirements, once he heard what was required, he wouldn't do it. He wasn't willing to deny himself and take up his cross. He wasn't willing to put Jesus Christ in charge of his life. It's not optional. Jesus goes on in verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to be in charge of you, if you want to run your own life and live according to your own rules, Jesus is saying, well, you'll, you'll waste your life now and you'll lose your life for eternity. But if you give your life to Jesus Christ now, if you deny yourself and take up your cross and live your earthly life for him, following his agenda, you'll have abundant life now and save your soul for eternity. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying we have a choice. We have a choice how we live. You can live for self now and lose your life for eternity, or you can surrender your life to Christ now and live for him and gain eternity. Now, this is the opposite of what the world tells us, isn't it? The world tells us that we will find fulfillment in chasing after our desires and achieving our dreams. But that will leave you empty and lost. The path to joy and fulfillment is found in surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And following him. It's losing your life to him. Not saving your life. But losing your life. Following Christ will put us at odds with the world. And what the world values. The world will look at a follower of Christ. Who has denied himself and taken up his cross. And say what a wasted life that is. The world cannot comprehend the crucified life. Paul said the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And Jesus continues in verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now your soul is the part of you that is eternal. Your soul is the part of you that, that connects to God on, on the vertical. And look at the value that God places on a human soul. God says one human soul is more valuable than the entire world. So, hypothetically, if you were to gain the entire world, if you were to gain everything in this world, if you achieved all your dreams in this life, if you have the greatest success in life, And you get it all. But you die without Christ. What do you have? You have nothing. Your soul will be lost for all eternity. You gain the world, but you lose your soul. Or another way to look at it, Jesus says, is what will you give in exchange for your soul? Your soul is the most valuable thing you possess. It's more valuable than the whole world. And what would you give in exchange for your soul? And the fact is, most people give away their soul for next to nothing. I mean, if we went around the room and just shared our testimony of what, what we gave our soul away to before we were saved, it was nothing. And we're not even talking, I mean, not even the whole world, not even great riches. We were willing to give it away for nothing. In fact, why don't we do this? We'll just start right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone has this choice. You live your life for yourself, and you'll be lost forever. Or you abandon your life to Jesus Christ, and you enjoy his blessing in this life, and you gain eternal life. And so the question you know, we have to ask ourselves is, who am I living for? Who am I living for? I say that I'm a Christian, but who's really in charge of my life? Who's making the decisions? Are you living for yourself or are you living for Jesus? And look what he says in verse twenty seven. Look where he takes us next. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Jesus is saying, you need to decide. You need to decide if you're going to follow me because the day of judgment is coming. Jesus is coming back in glory with his angels and then he will reward everyone according to their works. And the Bible says this life is a vapor. It's very short. And this will be a time of reward for the believer and a time of judgment for the non-believer. It's a time of reward for those who surrender to Jesus Christ and it's time of judgment for those who live for self. And so verse 28, now he says, assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Now, there are some who read this verse and say, well, well, that never happened. The disciples didn't live long enough to see the Lord coming in his kingdom. So I guess Jesus was, was wrong. Well, actually, Jesus is referring to his transfiguration in chapter 17, These words of Jesus are recorded in three of the four Gospels. And each time, every time, he says this right before his transfiguration. It's talking about the transfiguration here. You know, the chapter numbers and the verse numbers were added to the text in like the 1500s. And those chapter and verses are very, very helpful. But sometimes the chapter breaks are not in the right place. Verse 28 is really pointing to chapter 17. So now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. This is probably Mount Hermon right there above Caesarea Philippi. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light.
3: He asked me how i
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today, or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the Word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join Him because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to CalvaryEC.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew, right here on Ring of Truth.
3: I see the signs and I recognize